to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake after a Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. This is your first time tuning into the show. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, can you feel it? I can feel it. Can you feel I it? Could, I can feel it. Oh. <laughs> Not that much. I don't feel that much. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe not that much. We we don't need to go, <laughs> you know, full Phil Collins in this secondary, but I appreciate, I appreciate the, the serenade, Dan. Great Thank voice, you. right? Great voice. Voice of radio. Outside of Dan Walkenstein's serenading skills, uh, we are super pumped because not only is it the NFL Combine Week, super stoked for this because this is where the draft talk really starts getting going. And normally I'd be on this show talking about Dan Walkenstein working the phones and giving Dan all of his credit because he definitely deserves it. He he deserves his roses every time that we have a special guest on this show. But for once in this time, I'm going to give myself the roses. (laughs) I'm gonna As you should. As you should. Jake <laughs> hitting the phone. When the Jake hits the phone, good things happen. When Jake hits the occasional phone one time, you know, one out of 500 chances, it's something is going to go right. Yes, that's very much what it is. Uh, we're su- super stoked today to have on the location at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indy, boots on the ground currently as we speak. Mr. Devin Jackson, who has been a college football writer for the Philly Inquirer now for some time. Guys, if you haven't been following him, he has a great follow on Twitter as it relates to just his coverage on draft prospects in general. And we are super excited to have him join the show today. So coming up next, our interview with Philly Inquirer's own Devin Jackson talking everything about the NFL Scouting Combine. Well, with the NFL Combine drills just 24 hours away from kickoff, we are so excited here on Chargers Unleashed to bring on one of the best. Guys, if you have not been watching his coverage throughout all of college uh, football season, Devin Jackson, college writer for the Philly Inquirer, is now joining us on Chargers Unleashed. Boots on the ground. He is there in Indy, was there for all of the first day press conferences with all of the defensive linemen, edge, and linebacker players that are set to go to kickoff day one tomorrow. Devin Jackson, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, it's, it's been a busy morning uh, and afternoon so far, but uh, I'm glad to uh, to get it all over with. Uh, you know, going to Head to the uh, the Pacers Pelicans game tonight uh, in town uh, later tonight to uh, kind of, uh, you know, decompress from uh, a busy first day uh, at the combine. But uh, so far, so good. I uh, can't complain uh, about uh, being, being able to be here covering it and um, just getting to talk to some of these uh, up and coming prospects that uh, a lot of people will know, you know, uh, once they get drafted. That's a nice little palate cleanser, too, because you do all your your interviews today. You're there in the midst of the media and talking to these guys. And then you go off and you just, you know, get away from football for a second. And then I'm going to come right back to when the drill starts. <laughs> That's a good little good little break and palate cleanser. So what we wanted to do is we got a big week ahead of us. And as much as you have been covering this and looking forward to this and around with everybody in terms of what's going to happen, you know, this is really when the draft start draft talk starts going to the top. Um, But we wanted to kind of go day by day, position by position, kind of get your thoughts on everything as it relates to guys that you've been looking at, guys that everybody should be watching, maybe some guys who even who aren't getting talked about as much. So let's start it off with day one tomorrow. Defensive linemen, edge and linebackers. I know you had gotten a chance to talk to a variety of them uh, earlier today, but just overall as a whole, what do you make of these groups and who are the ones that you're looking forward to watching tomorrow? 
Yeah. So with, with each group, they're they're clear top cut, you know, top uh, top of the line guys. And uh, it's interesting. Each group kind of has uh, question marks as well. So, you know, we'll start with linebacker uh, because that's the first one that's on my mind. Uh, really, it's the discussion between all right, uh, Peyton Wilson, Edgerin Cooper, and Junior Colson seem to be the top three guys, uh, I would say. And Jeremiah Trar is somewhere in, in in that mix, but but probably not as high. But I would say those are the top three guys. But Wilson, uh, with his medical history, how is that going to all shake out? Um, but in terms of him being at the podium, I mean, he was awesome. You know, he was able to give insightful answers about the future of linebacker, uh, how it's changed, you know, over the last decade, uh, his own mentality. Um, you know, he, he had a great quote of the day, basically saying something along the lines of wherever you are, I'm going to meet you in the hole. Um, you know, even, even if you beat me, uh, you know, I'll come back a hundred times stronger. So uh, you just love to hear that from, from a guy like that. Uh, Edron Cooper talking about his versatility, ability to, um, you know, spy quarterbacks, uh, is, uh, you know, run and chase ability, uh, versatility uh, among teams as well. Uh, they uh, kind of vary where he's going to play, whether it's Mike, whether it's a Will, uh, a Sam backer. I personally like him at Will or Sam, but um, just to be able to hear him kind of articulate that was was awesome. And then uh, Junior Colson, a uh, bit of a, a quieter of the, the two previous guys, but uh, confident as well. And I think he's going to uh, do do some nice things on the field. But Looking at the position as a whole, I think what's really going to be kind of stark to see uh, just as how smooth some of these guys are uh, in their coverage drops, in the on-field drills. It's obviously the speed, you know, some of the, the agility testing uh, are, are going to be big, especially like the 20-yard shuttle. I've uh, seen these guys 10-yard splits, seen their low, lower body explosiveness with the jumps. But I think overall you want to see how they move in the field, in the open field, how do they turn their hips? You know, do they have tight hips? Do they have, uh, you know, hips that, uh, you know, maybe slightly tight? Or are they able to smoothly move from one one area to the next? So I'm really interested to see, specifically in that part of the evaluation of the combine. And same thing with edge rusher. I think uh, it's, it's going to be obviously the eye popping numbers: how fast these guys run, how high they jump, uh, how far they jump in the broad jump. You know. Uh, the three cone, is, I think, is, is going to be interesting to watch with some of these edge rushers as well. Uh, just with there's some guys that are more power guys like Braylon Trice, Jared Verse, um, and, and may not have uh, necessarily the the quick twitch uh, ability as some of these other guys do, like uh, Latu and uh, Dallas Turner and Chop Robinson, especially. Uh, but but I think seeing the kind of dynamic of all right, are you a power guy? Are you a more of a slippery speed guy? Um, how do you move? How do you bend? Uh, you know, do you bend fluidly? Is there some hitch in your bend? So, uh, again, the on-field drills, I think, are, are going to be really uh, telling in, in just how fluid and athletic these guys are. Because you can, there's a difference between being fast and, and, and being truly athletic for the position. So I think uh, it's really going to separate the, the two there. Uh, and then finally, the defensive line class. Um, Really, I want to see how Byron, Mur Byron Murphy tests. I think he, you know, I think that's kind of where we're at at this point. Uh, and, and obviously where where uh, Tavondre Sweat ends up uh, weighing in, I think it's going to be a big thing. Uh, and, and at his podium, he kind of joked about it. Uh, you know, I and <laughs> said, well, we'll see tomorrow, you know, but uh, he, he seems to feel comfortable about his, his, uh, his playing weight. 
Um, but Byron Murphy, I think, is, is kind of the headliner of the show. And, and I just want to see what type of numbers he puts up uh, and then how he looks in the open field. Um, I think that's going to be the most fascinating part, uh, especially for that defensive line group. You mentioned the, the testing um, from this group in particular. Now, we know about like the Chop Robinsons, the Peyton Wilsons, the Chris Jenkins, guys who were expected to come in out of this group and test really well. Is there somebody out of this group that maybe just hasn't been getting enough love in terms of, hey, watch out for this guy when it comes to testing tomorrow because he could open some eyes? Uh, I would say two names. Uh, Adisa Isaac from Penn State, I think, is going to have a really big testing day as well. Uh, Penn State seems to always, um, you know, have these freak athletes and guys that, that test off the charts. And and I think he's fits that mold. Uh, I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl, and he was going through pass rush drills. And just his ability to, to weight transfer, to, to shift his weight low, uh, and really not lose a step. Uh, he Him and Latu were – going back to back in those drills and, and he they both look extremely smooth in doing so. So so I'll put some money on on Adis Isaac having a big day. Uh, and then again, I'll go another edge rusher and I'll go Austin Booker uh, from Kansas, a guy that uh, has less than 600 pass rush uh, snaps this season and or or in his career, I should say. And there's so much un, untapped potential. Uh, you can tell that he's extremely athletic, extremely fluid. And I think him having a really big testing day uh, is going to solidify a, a day two grade for for most teams and, and what they're looking for. But he's kind of my edge sleeper in, in this class in terms of just isn't getting enough love because he doesn't have uh, as much film as some of these other guys. But, but I would say those are the the two names that stick out. Um, you know, just looking at the the linebacker group, like I said, I think it's more so in in answering questions on, on how these guys move. Uh, in the open field. So I think, you know, a guy like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. could, could really benefit from a strong day, uh, showing his ability uh, to move in coverage and, and drop in the coverage and uh, be able to, to handle that ability. Uh, but I take it, I keep an eye on Trevor Wallace as well from Kentucky. He's a guy that I think uh, has all the athletic tools right now, but is still learning and, and growing in the position uh, at the linebacker position. Now, I'm going to try to spin this because I'm going to look at it as a positive. The Chargers have an equal opportunity to draft almost any position, and they probably need it. So I think the combine, the draft are probably more important to them at more positions than most teams. And I look at the new era of Chargers football. we got Joe Hortiz now drafting, and given with his experience with Baltimore, we have the Jim Harbaugh style, Greg Roman, Jesse Minter as the coordinators of offense and defense. And then you kind of go forward to looking at the holes on this roster. You know, looking at day two, guys, we talk about the DBs, tight ends, both of which are huge needs for this Chargers team. Tight ends for the Chargers, kind of barren at this point, currently roster. Cornerback room last year was very subpar. Michael Davis now looking like a free agency. Kind of key piece there for external teams. But looking at the combine, corners, tight ends, very different positions, both huge positions of need. Who are some? I mean, we know a lot of the names, the first round guys, but like you, in terms of those two positions, tight end's probably the one that's the most unknown after the top two with Sanders and Bowers. What's your take on kind of the day two corners and the tight ends that might see draft stock rise more than others come this week? Yeah, I think it's a, it's going to be fascinating to see kind of that second and third tier of corners because. It, Corner class in general is so deep 
but where are those guys going to play at the next level? I think is, is the biggest question, but uh guy that, that immediately jumps off to me uh, at the very least is, is Kamari Lasseter from Georgia uh, as, as kind of a, a potential second, game. third round guy. Um, I love his instincts. I love his ability to uh, locate the football downfield, uh, stay, stay in phase. Um, and then also the ability to, to play nickel as well. Uh, he did so in that Missouri game uh, to match up with Luther Burden, who uh, is going to be a really uh, good NFL player uh, in the future. But I really like that inside out ability. And, and I think uh, it's going to be valuable for teams, but I'm very excited to see how athletic is he? Cause, because you can tell like, He's fast enough to keep up with with players downfield and, and run stride for stride. But just how explosive is he? And and I think uh, you can't really tell on film because he's always in the right spot and, and uh, hardly gets beat. So you, that's definitely a plus for him. But you just want to see just how fast he is, uh, especially in changing directions as well, uh, since they play a little bit of everything coverage wise at Georgia. So he is a guy that sticks out to me. Uh, TJ Tampa is a, uh, from Iowa State uh, is another player that, that really sticks out to me. I'm not sure where exactly his, um, you know, his range is because yeah. on one hand, he's long, he's athletic, um, has the ability to play press man, um, has the ability to undercut routes, um, and, and just everything you look for in a modern corner. And, he, and I feel like he's still not getting quite enough love, especially after not going to any all-star games. Uh, during the the early draft part, early part of the draft cycle, so he's still uh, I would say very uh, largely unknown name, um, and, and really you can't really get a bead on uh, how teams feel about him at the current moment. But I feel like he might be one of those players that the teams are quiet about because they want him to fall to him, you know, in, in that second or third round area. Um, but I'm excited to see uh, one how he tests, and then two uh, how fluid is he uh, switching or flipping his hips in in going down the line, you know, how consistent is he out of his back pedal? Um, I just think those are things that, uh, you know, we're a little inconsistent on this tape, but I think he's still a really good corner. Uh, so those those are the top two names I would say corner-wise I'm, I'm looking forward to most seeing uh, just because, uh, you know, they're really good on tape and, and they have some really good film and redeemable qualities, but you want to see how fast they are, how athletic they are. Uh, compared to some of their peers, uh, I'll go to tight end now. And I want to ask you real quick, great tight end. Um, on the on the note, and I apologize for interrupting you. The the cornerback no, group is an interesting position to me, in that you hear a lot of times whether it's quarterbacks or you see receivers that come from big name schools versus small schools, and how impactful, how much that matters to teams. From what you've seen there at the combine, you talk about those two guys. I mean, Kamari Lasseter. Georgia kid. Talk about TJ Tampa, Iowa State. We hear Quinion Mitchell comes from Toledo. Then you got guys like Taryn Arnold and Kool-Aid who are come from Alabama. Like the quarterback position specifically, it does it matter if you're an SEC kid or not? Or is that something that's really more case-by-case basis? I think it's more case-by-case basis. Um, I would say it matters to some degree just because the caliber of athletes you face sometimes at small schools aren't uh, as comparable. But I think Quinion Mitchell is a, a great example of a guy that has shown the ability, you know, not only on his tape, but obviously at the senior bowl to, to be able to do both. Um, so that's kind of for, especially for the small school and, 
group of five uh, players, I think it's really important, uh, you know, for them to be able to show themselves, especially in an all-star game setting. Um, but when it, when it comes to like, if they they don't get that exposure, I think it matters to some degree, but if you're a fast, quick twitch athlete, you know, it, it's going to translate, you know, even if you're, even if it may not be the same, um, you know, caliber of athlete you're facing uh, every game. And it's just going to be a different learning curve, I would say, you know, because every corners in general, the cornerback position is uh, a very uneven position in terms of uh, development. You know, it really depends on scheme, you know, personnel and what positions you're put in, you know, from one year to year, you know, you always see that position kind of uh, change in who the top guys are that particular year, you know, like, uh, James Bradbury is a good example. You know, people, especially after the Eagles Super Bowl run, you know, everyone thought that, you know, him and Slay were, you know, possibly a top 10 duo, um, you know, as a DB unit. Uh, next season, not so much. So I think, you know, when it comes to evaluation part, I think it, it matters where you play to some degree, but it also doesn't uh, just because what you have is going to translate even if, you know, the guys you're going against uh, aren't. It's just the, the learning curve is going to be a, maybe a little bit longer uh, than the guy from big school. Got it. All right. And then going to the tight ends again, after Sanders, after Bowers, who are maybe one or two guys that people don't know of or haven't heard enough of that come, what is it, day two? So Friday, we'll know. <laughs> yeah, so I think – um, the the top answer for me will probably be Theo Johnson from Penn State, um, and, and and his production really just doesn't do him justice. I think the, the their style of offense uh, didn't allow him to to get those run after catch um, opportunities. Uh, he also played next to uh, Tyler Warren, who was going to be a really good tight end uh, when he comes out uh, potentially next season, um, and. The opportunities were just slim for him, but uh, his athletic profile was apparent. You could see it uh, at the Senior Bowl. You could see it in flashes on tape, um, and I really think he's he's going to test really, really well uh, for for his position, uh, for the tight end position. I think he's going to run well. I think he's going to put up some great numbers. Um, you can see the change of direction ability uh, when he's running routes. Um, he's still growing as a route runner per se, but uh, the big frame, six uh, six. Uh, like 250, 260, uh, and, and the ability to move downfield, beat linebackers and safeties, uh, you really don't – you really can't replicate that. So he will be kind of in that next tier of tight end, I say, to to watch to in, in a, a chance for him to um, surprise people uh, just how athletic he is, uh, giving the limited opportunities. Uh, he has a, a nice uh, baseline of blocking as well, uh, just from Penn State being more of a run-heavy team. Uh, which is what you like to see. But I think his pass catching ability is, is what's going to set him up. Uh, and then I'll go uh, Jared Wiley from TCU is a guy to watch as well. Um, I think he has a chance to to be one of the, the faster tight ends in this group um, and uh, really is a, a nice athletic uh, pass catcher. I think he's more the the pass catcher type for uh, the NFL level, but, but I really like what he brings in his skill set. Um, and I think uh, he'll have a nice uh, day as well. And then probably my sleeper of the group is Trey Knox from South Carolina. I've liked this take going back to when he was at Arkansas. Um, 
but I think he's more of a late round guy. I think he's a guy that probably is a six, seven round pick, uh, more of a depth piece tight end. But I would really like a team to to use him, especially in the red zone, use his height, his size, uh, and, and put him in some jump ball scenarios. And I think he has some redeemable qualities to uh, you you know make a fifty three man roster and, and be uh, the second third third tight end uh, sometime next season. And Jake, this is the fun part. I know we're going to get to these positions, but like we're talking about guys here, late round dra- draft picks, possibly Jared Wiley's on which is at PFF big board, by the way, just to kind of spot check here. Jared Wiley, number 268 on the board. Theo Johnson, 157. Like we're talking about guys who, again, everybody has their own grades on. Everybody has who they think is going to go when, but this is where kind of the cream rises to the top. This is where the diamonds and the rough sort of speak come about. And this is where this stuff becomes fun. Is you have to see names that you've never heard of before, at least the common folk. But guys like Devin Jackson, who are sitting there eating, breathing, sleeping, all this stuff, they know. So this is the fun part: is hearing names that you might not know, but you will when you see them on tape. Devin, Saturday we've got two position groups that honestly could not be more polar opposite of one another, just in terms of draft value. You have the wide receivers and you've got the running backs. I want to start with the wide receivers just because it's very top-heavy in terms of priority where teams could be looking to invest in. Obviously, you have the big three with Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors. I want to just talk about just in general, obviously go through the big three, and obviously you have Brian Thomas Jr., Troy Franklin later on that could possibly sneak into the first round after that. But what's your what's your temperature just on this wide receiver group at at the big three position? Maybe who's making a little bit more noise because now we're hearing rumblings of Roman Dunze starting to get a lot more draft attention. Um, and then outside of the big three, just as it relates to beyond that day two, day three, who would be some favorite selections of yours? So let's start with the big three. Yeah, I, it's it's a fascinating conversation because uh, they all bring something a little bit different. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is, uh, you know, such a, a fantastic uh, prospect, his ability to create separation in his size, to move at that size, um, and, and really be a dynamic playmaker downfield, um, despite some of the Ohio State struggles this year in the passing game, still be a steady force for that offense. Uh, just goes to show just the caliber athlete he is. Um, you really don't get too many guys that, that are built like him, uh, that can move like him, and uh, you know just can pull away as well. I think that's the most impressive part is – He's not just a, a downfield, you know, jump ball type of guy. He can run the intermediate routes. He can run the short routes. And they all look the same. And, and they look very professional. So I can't say enough about, about Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, one of the top players in draft. Might be the, the top player in the draft, uh, depending on who you ask. But but he's such a great player. Uh, the conversation between Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze is interesting. Uh, personally, I, I have a Dunze uh, as two and, and neighbors as three, but uh, the margins are thin. You know, it really is uh, kind of a choose your own flavor type of class where if you're you want the more exciting uh, receipt run after catch type of player that, you know, can can win in the uh, win on the inside, win on the outside and and really create some dynamic plays for you in the passing game. Malik um, neighbors is your guy. Roma Dunze. Uh, I think what astounds me about his evaluation is not necessarily his uh, rate in which he catches contested passes, but more so his ability to to contort his body and uh, have amazing body control in doing so. 
uh, he tracks the ball as well as any receiver I've evaluated uh, going back to 2019. Like his tracking abilities is unreal. Um, just the way that he fades into the ball, his late hands when when there's a, uh, a defensive back right on his back. I mean, it, it's it's really an awesome sight to see. So uh, for me, I, I value that a little bit more with the Dunze versus neighbors. But uh, overall, I mean, these are, are three um, top 10 p- picks in my book. I think they, they shall all go in the top 10. And um, I expect each one of them to to be successful at the NFL level because they they have the traits and, and build and um, athleticism to do so. Uh Dunze will be the only one of the three that will be actually performing at the combine, which will be interesting uh, to see where exactly he measures in that. But but from what I've at least been hearing is that it's going to be somewhere in the full force uh, that he'll run um, and, and he'll uh, he will check all the boxes uh, in terms of, um, you know, his athleticism, explosion, et cetera. So I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be uh, too surprised about that. Um as it comes to, uh, you know, kind of some day two, day three options, it's probably the most robust position group of the day two, day three, uh, you know, uh, uh, options uh, of, of any position group really here at the combine. Um, but there's two guys for me that I think uh, need to have big weeks just to uh, solidify exactly where, where they're, where they're going to be end up getting drafted. And for me, uh, not necessarily a day two guy. So I'll give you three names. So one other guy in round one or a potential round one guy that I think needs to have a big week is, is Keon Coleman from Florida state. Um, really great, big athlete, uh, explosive, uh, but, but needs some refinement as a route runner. Um, not as uh, successful in those uh, contested catch situations that you, as you would think of a guy his size, but I think overall he, he's a really good football player that, um, just needs some his skills to be honed in a little bit, but I want to see where exactly he runs, how he tests, um, how he moves, uh, especially in uh, those, those route running scenarios. I think it will be important for him to show uh, that he has grown in that that area uh, in the off season and, and getting prepared uh, to make the NFL jump. So I think that'll be important for him. Uh, now getting to the day two, day three guys. Um, for me. Uh, one guy that sticks out is another Washington receiver, um, and that's Jalen Polk. I really like his game. I really like his his ability to uh, go up leader. and make the yeah. tough catches. Yeah, uh, his his ability to um, run routes in the on on the inside, on the outside. Uh, really sure handed catcher as well. Um, I just love uh, his tenacity and fearlessness uh, that he he plays with down the field. But I want to see what what type of athlete he is. You know, I, I just haven't come away with his film knowing exactly where he sits. He's definitely above average athlete, but I don't think he's one of these uh, quick, twitchy guys that, that you may see, uh, you know, go and test at, at the combine. So I want to see where he stacks up uh, amongst his peers. Um, then uh, the other one that I'm really looking forward to is Ricky Persoff from Florida. Um, really, really good uh good athlete uh really good route runner um really dynamic uh as a route runner as well um i just really like his ability to or or his understanding of uh defensive schemes where to sit uh you know zone coverage um how to attack 
uh, defensive backs leverage. He had a really good week at the senior role. And, and he's one of my guys that I would want to draft uh, regardless of teams uh, because he also brings a toughness and edge to him, uh, especially as a run blocker. Uh, I love what he does as a blocker downfield. And he fit. He feels like, to me, the perfect like Shanahan, McVay uh, scheme type of receiver where he's going to do the dirty work for you and, and he's going to uh, be reliable in third downs for you. Now we shift over to the running back in this scenario, and it's I've, I've talked to Dan about this several times because you ask anybody with this particular running back class, and it seems like everybody has a different guy at number one. Whether you're talking about Braylon Allen, Brooks, whoever it may be, and it just there's there's no Bijan Robinson in this class, there's no Gibbs in this class, and there's even discussion as far as well when do you where, where's the ceiling? When does the running back conversation even start when it relates to this draft? I guess as it relates to this group in particular, in terms of what you would be watching for when they're going through combine drills, who's got the best opportunity to elevate their draft stock? And in particular to you, when you've seen this group, what sticks out to you the most in just in terms of what you're watching to see someone who may separate themselves? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to probably most uh, in terms of uh, on how they test uh, will probably be Jalen Wright from Tennessee. Um he feels like the the quintessential like home run uh, three down back that the NFL looks for. And um, unfortunately, he was able to participate in the senior bowl. But I really think this could be a, a platform for him to to become, you know, maybe in that conversation as uh, one of the top running backs uh, drafted in this class. I really like his physical profile, um, his, his true straight line speed. Uh, really a one cut and go type of runner. And I, I just like what he does in the open field and, and how he can pull away from from uh, defenders. So I think he has a shot to, to be re- really good um, at the NFL level and, and have a really good combine week. Um, at the group as a whole, it, it feels like right around late round two, early round three is where it feels like the sweet spot uh, in terms of where the run on running backs could start. Um, because I, I certainly think there will, there will be like four or five taken, uh, you know, before the end of round three, just because teams need that running back. And, and they uh, obviously is not a, a there's not a guy that is worth the first round pick this year, uh, maybe not even a second round pick. But um, in, in terms of like building depth, you know, adding another running back uh, option, I think it's really important uh, for, for these guys to go out and test well. So, uh you know, for me, like guys like uh, Bucky Irving is kind of interesting in terms in terms of how he's being valued uh, and if he's being valued by the league just because how small he is. You know, in smaller backs uh, tend to uh, to fall down the board a little bit just because um, the durability concerns uh, always come up. So I'm interested to see uh, smaller backs like him, uh, Jaden Sheridan from Monmouth, who uh, is, is truly a deep sleeper in this class. Um, one of the most explosive running backs uh, in this class. Speed-wise, I would put money as him being one of the top performers uh, in the speed um, the, the speed and agility uh, drills uh, at the combine. But those are two smaller guys that um, are not going to be for every team. So it's going to be interesting to see if teams are going to value the guy that they want to take there, you know, in the third round, or they can wait to the fourth, fifth round to, to address it. 
Uh, but but I think running back run will will start sometime in the third round. It could go into the fourth and fifth round uh, just with teams getting their guy and, and adding a guy, um, you know, kind of at a, a cheaper price than you would typically see. We're talking to Devin Jackson here. Now, two sides of the same coin. You can run the ball by either having an effective running back or an offensive line, which the Chargers didn't really have either, <laughs> especially moving into this season. Now, the Chargers, you know, we talk about day one. We talk about five overall. A lot of people talk about Malik Neighbors. We talk about Brock Bowers. Some people talked about going offensive line, going right tackle for the Chargers specifically at five. Uh, but then possibly Joe Hortiz yesterday during some of the press stuff that he was doing was talking about this being a deep class for the offensive tackle position. What's your take on the Chargers specifically? One, is a right tackle at five overall? Ludicrous, first question. And then a follow-up on that. When would be a good time for the Chargers with so many holes to fill, given a Harbaugh-type team, when would be a good time for them to focus on it and who would be some guys to look at? I would say taking a right tackle at five would, I would say, be just a little rich. Um, How little? Just based How on... little rich? Like, like a lot of rich or a little rich? <laughs> I would say somewhere in between. Like, I, I would... <laughs> I would not be opposed to it because I, I really like JC Latham, for example. You know, like um, I, re- I really like what, what he brings in. Uh, I like the potential fit that he he brings to the Chargers, but at five overall, it's it's tough. It's it's a tough sell for sure. You know, <laughs> just taking a, a tackle at five overall. Um, so I would say. Personally, I probably would feel more comfortable taking a right tackle in any time after 10, probably, you know, in that 10 to like 14, 15 range. So, you know, a potential trade back, I would say, from five would certainly make right tackle, I think, the forefront. Um, But if you stay at five and take a right tackle, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I just don't think... I, I don't know if I can talk myself into uh, Talisha <laughs> Fuaga or J.C. Latham uh, at five overall. Um, although both of them are really, really good players, um, and and I think they would certainly fill a need that the, the Chargers have. Um, but but I just think at five, you you have to take a player that um, I don't want to say is a transcendent talent, but a a guy that you feel like is going to make an immediate impact in, in, uh, you know, potential, uh, potential franchise cornerstone, you know, that that's typically, uh, guys you take in that range. So if they feel comfortable doing so, I don't, I don't blame them. I think trenches, uh, building through trenches is, is the fastest way to get back on track because that's the one area that league wide is, you know, teams are struggling with, um, not only, identifying top end talent, but developing it and then having depth to to continue to play at a high level even if injuries happen. So so I think trench play, whether it's at five, whether it's at 10, 11, you know, 13, if they decide to trade back, um, I think is a smart play. No, I mean they need honestly, they need help across the line. And center, they currently don't have one. Period. <laughs> so if you're the Chargers and you need a center the starting center, in theory, a good one. When is like the cutoff 
Like, when do they have to have one draft? Like, what round is like, if you don't have one by this round, like, you're kind of SOL? Probably end of round two, honestly. Um, I don't think the center class is is extremely top-heavy um, with Frazier, with uh, JPJ, uh, Graham Barton potentially moving to center. Um, I know Ced- Cedric Van Pran has some fans, but um, I, I think after round three, once round three starts um, and you don't have a center by then, I I don't know if I feel confident saying after that point that you would get a guy that would be a long-term starter, like maybe a depth player, maybe a spot starter, but, but really the class is uh, pretty thin, I would say, at the top in terms of uh, getting starter in potential – uh, long-term play uh, at the center position uh, with the prospects in this class. I hope Joe Ortiz heard what you just said <laughs> in terms of that priority, because if it if you got to get out of round two with a center, I would think that that would require the Chargers to trade back and acquire a little bit more draft capital with all the holes that they have left to fill. Um, okay, so take off your Philadelphia Eagles hat for just a second. Not literally, but figuratively, Put the Chargers hat on. If you're Jor Hortiz at five, we kind of touched on it just a second ago in terms of trading down may be the best type of scenario. But if it's you on the board, let's just say best case scenario, Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze still happens to be there. You're still there at five. What do you do in that scenario? What would be your best option in terms of how you would start building out this team? First, I would feel feel calls to see if someone wants to trade up for one of those guys uh, will probably be the first order of business for me just to see um, one, the asking price and two, what I can get uh, in future assets to continue to build the roster. So that will probably be the first move that I make just to see what it is. But if no one bites, uh, I mean, I had to probably choose uh, between. Uh, the two, I probably say Malik Neighbors probably at five, um, mm. just because. Talk to me. Talk you know, to me. <laughs> uh, I I just feel like he's the type of playmaker they need, you know, on offense to to be able to uh, create those explosive plays and uh, really take the pressure off of uh, Justin Herbert's back in in terms of uh, creating and uh, you know creating big splash plays. Um, you know, it's it just unfortunate that in back-to-back years you had to take first-round uh, receivers, uh, but it's not unprecedented. Uh, you know, kind of putting back on my Eagles cap, the Eagles did th- that with uh, Jalen Rieger and uh, then took Devontae Smith the next year. So uh, back-to-back first round. So um, it's not, um, you know, unheard of. It's, it's, you know, not anything crazy. But but I would say, I would say neighbors to me probably – uh, if I if I don't trade down, and no you know no one wants to to come up to get one of these guys, I would I would probably take neighbors, um, you know to to build around and you know I take a long look at at one of the left tackles, you know even though uh, one of them would potentially have to to move to right tackle, uh, just do some due diligence on that. Um, so I would say the the order of guys that I probably pick in that position is is neighbors. Uh, Joe Alt, um, and then uh, Roma Dunze. Now, last question for you here. I always like we always like asking this question just because it kind of puts things in a more broader perspective. 
if you're still the Chargers, and if you were to, to evaluate this roster and say, who would be one guy, regardless of the round, whether it's first, second, third, fourth, whatever it is, if they came over, away with X player, who would be like a home run selection for him that you think, oh, he's just going to fit with the Chargers perfectly, you know, instantaneous as it relates to production when he hits the ground running, who would be that one guy that you would say would mesh well with the best with this team? Um, I'm going to take a cop-out answer here and say uh, probably Roman Wilson from Michigan. Um, I just – It's a great answer. Know, knowing <laughs> uh, knowing uh, Jim Harbaugh and in, in, in the relationship he has with his players, um, he knows where he's getting out of Roman Wilson, and I feel like he's a guy that's just going to – he fits what they need for, for one, you know, a, a guy that can – make those tough catches over the middle of the field um, that that can create after the catch um, and, and really be a solid player overall. Um, he just fits what they are going to be looking for to build in culture. And he knows Harbaugh. Harbaugh knows his skill set. And, you know, and this is obviously in a scenario that the, the Chargers do trade down and end up taking a tackle in the first round. But taking him in the second round uh, – Becoming a guy that uh, becomes a reliable receiver, um, you know, as Keenan Allen uh, starts to to fade in his own career and Quinn Johnson continues to figure it out. Having a guy like Wilson, uh, who's going to be steady, um, move the chains for you and, and kind of be a glue piece offensively. Uh, I just think it makes too much sense um, with with what the Chargers need and, and uh, just his history with Harbaugh. Devin Jackson, Philly Inquirer. Currently down there at the NFL Scouting Combine. Excited to see what this week has in store. Guys, if you have not been following Devin Jackson throughout the entirety of the college football season, number one, you need to get out from underneath the rock that you are currently residing in, and you need to follow him because his draft coverage on NFL prospects when they are going through this process is absolutely second to none. Devin, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate the time. Have a great weekend out there in Indy. Welcome to join the, the show anytime. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, and, and enjoy talking uh, through the combine and, and uh, you know getting ready for for a busy week uh, of testing. So I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy the Pelican. <laughs> we'll do.